0: Hey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. We are one week away, Jared. One more week until Elden Ring. Do you think there's going to be a phrase that we're going to uh, use for the rest of time from this game? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. There will be a new Praise the Sun, Fear the Old Blood. Uh, What am I missing from Sekiro?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I remember a phrase from Sekiro. There's got to be one. I'll look it up later. Yeah. Shadows die something. twice, I guess, <laughs> is the first thing I was talking about. So I don't know if that's ever spoken in the game. Um, episode 236, I have a lot to talk about. Uh, I haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, so I figured with everything going on, Dom, that we would start with a little bit of a of a game for you, okay? A little bit of an uplifting, joyous occasion. We're going to do a game real quick. Um, All right, I like it. So, in honor of Horizon Forbidden West coming out uh, to rave reviews, uh, which is awesome, uh, despite neither of us playing it at release least, because uh, we're waiting for Elder Ring, right. I have a game for you. Uh, is The fall fo- the game's called Machine or Zoid. Is the following a name of a machine in Horizon Forbidden West or a zoid from the animal-inspired <laughs> mecha anime Zoids from the late 90s? If you don't remember this anime or you're not familiar with it, it's basically like Gundam, but instead of robot-looking uh mecha that they get into it's animal inspired robots. Um and you're gonna get a bonus point. Okay. Not only so you get one point if you guess it correctly, if it's from Horizon or from Zoids, and you get a bonus point if you can guess what the uh thing is what animal it's based on. Okay? So you have a chance for two points per one. And let's see how well you do it just for fun. Uh the first one. And these are all new to Horizon Forbidden West since Dumb has played uh uh, sure Horizon Zero Dawn I wanted to get the new one So he's not as familiar with them The first one Tide Ripper Is that Horizon or Zoids?
1: Goodness oh, I'm going to say Horizon Because we have so much more Water stuff going on they're swimming now And all that kind that of
0: stuff That is correct And before you guess the animal I want to clarify That both Zoids And machines in Horizon Are bo- based on current animals And also prehistoric animals So it could be either or So don't just think Modern animals Uh, Just keep that in mind. Okay. So what animal is the Tide Ripper based on? It's got to be a shark. So you're close. It is aqua-based, obviously, based on the name Tide Ripper. It's based on the Plesiosaur, which is the dinosaur that people believe uh, Loch Ness Monster to be. So that's yeah. But you have one point because you got— Excited to see that. (laughs) Yeah. You got that. uh, You said Horizons. You got that correct. Next up, Clamberjaw. Is this Horizon or Zoids? I'm going to say Zoids because
1: Horizon has already used at least one other machine with jaw as the suffix in their name. So I'm thinking that they wouldn't do it again.
0: And what I will say, too, for this list of names, it's surprising how similar a lot of the names of the machines and the Zoids is. That's why I came up with this game. Uh,
1: I'm wondering, like, how much the the Gorilla Games people, if any of them like are were aware of this anime. They had and
0: to have been inspired by it at least partially, it, right? right? To some extent. Yeah. Uh, some of them, some yeah. So you said this is Zoids, right? That's your guess? Yeah. It's actually from Horizon, uh for Bidden West. Uh what's the animal this is based on? Clamber jaw. This one's a little bit tougher. It doesn't give you the, the, the aqua uh relation as Tide mm-hmm. Ripper did. But it's a clamber jaw.
1: You know, I wanna say clam. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But um clamber jaw something with a jaw big strong bites um they've already done a big alligator type guy oh man clamber jaw
0: i love your thought process
1: because yeah yeah, they've done you know like a t-rex oh I'm realizing how limited my vocabulary of um, animals and dinosaurs is, (laughs) just in general. Um, I don't know. Let's go with alligator. Maybe there's a. a, So you're right. Thinking of
0: an animal with a strong jaw, but it's a baboon. So you're close. You're in the vein. No world was always gonna get
1: that. But.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Next up, so you have one point so far. Road skipper. I mean,
1: that's, that's Zoids. That's Anna. There's not even roads in, well, I guess the roads in the way I'm thinking of them are not in Horizon, but Road Skipper. That just doesn't feel like a Horizon name, even though you said that a lot of them sound similar. It just doesn't feel as, I don't know, native and mechanical. So you're going with Zoids in this one? Yeah, let's go Zoids.
0: Yep, it is Zoids. Uh I think like if it was named maybe Trail Skipper, that'd feel a lot more horizon. Uh yeah. yeah. Um, so you did get that one right. What animal is this based off of?
1: So here I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking what what is the roadrunner? What the heck is he? Or like
0: or like a an ostrich or something like that. Let's go with an ostrich. You it's got right. it. You nailed it. It's an ostrich. <laughs> I can't believe you got that. That's crazy. That's a good yeah. good job there. Uh that's really surprising. That one you got hundred percent nailed. Uh next up, Slitherfang. So this
1: sounds like a horizon name, right? Um and I want to say snake, but a snake would be too small, I-, I think. Unless it was just a giant snake.
0: Uh yeah, you know what? Why why couldn't it be a giant snake? Let's go with snake from Horizon. You got that perfectly correct. So it is in Horizon <laughs> and it's uh, a cobra, but I said cobra snake would be a, a good oh, answer. Sure. Um, think of like a King Cobra. Um next up, Hammer Rock
1: Let's go with Zoids and this is some type of gorilla. You nailed it, hundred percent. These are I, I've never seen the anime. I swear this is the lot of.
0: I can't believe you got Road clues. Skipper one hundred percent correct, and you got <laughs> Hammer Rock. That's crazy. But mostly, mostly I'm just making shit up. Yeah. so I should probably play the lottery today too, or something. Uh, next up, Rollerback. Oh, Rollerback. Interesting.
1: I'm going to say horizon again because
0: rollerback. Oh man. I'm going to give you a hint on this one because this is an animal you won't think of just off the top of your head. What is a, a marsupial? I don't even know if it's a marsupial, but a marsupial type animal that looks like it's related to an armadillo. That's kind of what I was picturing without being able to put words to it. Um, this is an animal I Wait, knew I because I grew up obsessed with animals, but you might not know this animal even exists. You've probably seen it, but I don't know if you'd know the name off the top of your head.
1: Mm, like, uh, oh, what do they call those things in Australia? I don't think it's marsupial, but those like little koala things. koala bee or whatever it is?
0: No. Good guess. It's a pangolin, <laughs> which isn't a, a, a okay, common yeah. word, but <laughs> if you saw the animal, you'd recognize it. They're like thinner, more elongated armadillos, kind of. Um. Okay. Yeah, that one was a. I had to throw one tough one in there. Especially, I still can't believe you got Hammer Rock and Road Skipper. Uh, Next up, Road Skipper. uh, And you said uh, Rollerback was Horizon or Zoids. I said Horizon. You got that right. Yeah. Uh, next up, Cannon Diver. Ooh. Cannon Diver.
1: It's interesting because I could see. I could see this as Horizon, but just because I feel like some of these villages would be like building cannons. I don't know. For some reason, I just picture that. Now, how, what would that mean for an animal? Though I don't know. We're just gonna say Zoids, and it's like a, I don't know of the toad, like a big frog. I'll give you a hint.
0: It's this thing is very similar to Pokemon. Think Pokemon when you think Cannon Diver.
1: I mean a lot of different type of Pokemon based on different animals.
0: Um, when you think of cannons and diving in Pokemon, there should be one clear Pokemon that comes to mind. Really? Cannon diving? Pokemon? What's what's When you think of cannons and Pokemon, what Pokemon comes to mind? Come on, Don. Oh, like Blastoise, like, a turtle. Okay, yep, bang, got it. <laughs> that doesn't count, because
1: it was spoon-fed, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh We'll go with your toad, obviously, guess, but I wanted to kind of connect the dots there (laughs) last one uh kind of in the same wheelhouse uh thunder oh wait did you say that was horizon or zoids i think you said zoids i think
1: i said zoids Yeah, yeah you're
0: correct last one uh thunder cannon that's
1: gotta be zoids because in horizon zero dawn there's the thunder jaw i'm pretty sure they call it the Thunderjaw. You don't think Big a sequel gross. could have
0: an evolution of a machine?
1: I mean, it could. I'm just
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I had
1: to bet, you know. I don't know. Okay. Um,
0: so you're going with Zoids, is you yeah, guess.
1: Yeah. What was it called? A Thunder Cannon. Oh, thunder what? can Thunder Cannon. Ooh. Um, and because they already have the Cannon Diver, so maybe like, so maybe it's related to a turtle, but instead of thunder. Or instead of diving into the cannon, it's a thunder cannon.
0: So I'll t- I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a hint for, for for one reason. The name has nothing to do with the actual animal. So I'm gonna give you the hint, a vague hint that it's a dinosaur.
1: I mean, I can see that, like, like it's it's thunderous and that it's large and maybe maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know. Let's go with. Uh... I still think let's go with the T Rex because they've used that in Horizon, but. As far as i know i don't know what those are called in zoids so we're going with the t-rex from zoids
0: so i think this one is i think it's a cool name but i don't think it fits what it's supposed to be based on it's a triceratops when i think thunder cannon i don't think triceratops i think like bipedal uh you know dinosaur something a bit more aggressive yeah. a bit more violent triceratops thunder cannon doesn't really fit oh that was a game that was really fun um you know this is like whose line is it anyway the points didn't really matter we just getting there i still cannot believe that you got ostrich for road skipper and Hammerrock for Gorilla—that's astounds me because <laughs> I don't think I would have guessed those. I prop for Roadskipper, yeah. I probably honestly would have went with like either a Toad or a Roadrunner, um, or like a Frog or something because like the skipping. Um, and then for Hammerrock, I probably would have went with something like a Rhinoceros because to me, Hammerrock feels much more Rhinoceros-like than Gorilla-like. <laughs>
1: Honestly, now that you say that, it does make more sense.
0: And had I had that come to my mind, I probably would have picked that. first. True. But like when we think but, about gorillas attacking, yeah. like hammer fisting is like one of their main attacks. So hammer uh, kind of makes sense there, too. Um, yeah, I thought that was a fun game. Get us in the mood. We have recorded for a while. So uh, and I, I'm with you. I think that some of the developers had to have been inspired somewhat by Zoids because the connections and everything uh, even loosely inspired. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the rundown. We have three quickie news stories and two uh, larger ones that I wanted to get to. And then we're going to talk about what we've been playing because I have a couple of things I really want to get to in terms of the experiences we've had in the last couple of weeks. So first up, we got an announcement of a new game studio. Uh, so XCD Project Red devs for, uh, form Rebel Wolf Studios, uh, which is pretty interesting. So it's going to be helmed by the Witcher 3 game director, Conrad Tomaskevich, I believe. Sorry, my Polish isn't that great. Need a... Yeah, Polish name. Yeah. Uh, and it said that, quote, the team is underway on a next-gen story-driven dark fantasy RPG built in Unreal Engine 5. Uh, they also revealed the logo and some concept art. I don't know if you had a chance to check this out, Dom. That's nothing, like, too special, especially with, like, uh, we've seen with announcement concept art. Kind of just gives you a flavor of what the studio is trying to do. And for theirs, it shows uh, a man sliding down the side of a hill with a spear in his hand, being followed by bats like a large group of bats think of like medieval batman essentially and on the bottom of the hill are two normal men in like knightly attire and one like trollish dude with horns and uh the sigil of their flag is a bat as well so it seems like they're going to stick in the medieval realm for their first game but it might be more dark fantasy um whereas witcher I think on the surface feels a lot more traditional high fantasy, but then it gets those darker moments where this seems like it's mm-hmm. from the get go is going to be much more, um, horror induced. I think, uh, a lot of horror elements in that concept art. How do you, how do you feel about this? I know you're a big fan of the Witcher three. How do you feel about, you know, not only the director leaving and forming his own studio, but maybe having these guys who are very talented, come up with their own project from scratch and see what they can do, um, in terms of creation themselves i mean yeah this
1: sounds cool um and it fits into what i've been playing and then even i even just finished watching recently the netflix witcher second season that kind of thing but yeah so obviously witcher 3 um was was phenomenal like i i love that game but then conversely cyberpunk um which you know cd project red's next game was um it's not it's not as good as the witcher 3 was right um it does some cool stuff um and, and I'll talk more about it later, but, so I guess uh, point being that I, you know, if this is the game director from the Witcher three specifically, you know, I'm, I'm trusting that he knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> but it, it also sounds ambitious. Uh, so well, cause this is like a totally independent studio, right? Like they're not, um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, who knows? They might partner maybe, with somebody
0: in the future, like Epic, especially with right. them using Unreal Engine, yeah. but. For right now, they're completely they could get some investors, for
1: sure, or something, or like, yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, publishing a big, deal. That's the type of thing, right? Where you know maybe Microsoft can swoop in and be like, "Hey guys, let's say you make this an Xbox game, or you know whatever it is." But um, so yeah, like this is these are the right like the right the right kind of people that you know this in this in that genre they describe too. Like, I'm all about that too, right? That sounds like a if like if you had a if you're telling me the people who made uh, The Witcher Three are making like a Dark Souls themed kind of game. Um, at least in its, you know, like that dark, darker fantasy kind of thing. Like, hell yeah, like sign me up. But obviously like this is just getting started. So it's I'm looking forward to a couple of years from now when we hear more about, you know, what they have in the works
0: well and you know with Xbox we've talked about with their acquisitions that they're just going to be the RPG machine especially Western RPGs right with Bethesda and all the things they've acquired if I'm PlayStation this is a studio I look at to make a publishing deal because what we talked about is with all of these major Western RPG developers going to Xbox and likely being exclusive across the board PlayStation is missing this from their catalog and I think this would be a good get for them um, Mm-hmm. especially because you have that prestige there of when you roll out that trailer at the next PlayStation state of play after doing the deal from the developers of the witcher three is going to get a pop. You know what I mean? Regardless. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is, and they, sorry, good.
1: They do that. They do that a lot. I mean, Xbox does it a lot too of, yeah, like kind of, you know, publishing or, uh, yeah, publishing or kind of sponsoring uh, a first game, like, like, like Bridge of spirits. Right. I'm kind of thinking of that. Like, uh, the studio has this kind of ambitious idea, and Ori and the Will of the, not, the Wisps you know, on Xbox gonna...
0: is in too. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah,
1: a lot of good, a lot of good examples of of PlayStation and Xbox doing that kind of thing, and then you know, work on the second thing, and then maybe eventually you know they end up buying that studio or whatever it is. But yeah, yeah. if this seems like ripe uh, for that because you're right. I could just picture like, yeah, that E3 demo starting with from the creators of The Witcher Three, that would that would get some eyes.
0: And I could totally even see it, maybe not even being a publishing deal, but Leading up, we end up finding out that PlayStation gets the marketing rights to the game. And then once the game comes right. out, if it does hit all of those critical uh, um, you know, acclamation standards, that they do end up buying the studio, too. I could see that, too. Like, post-launch of their first game, they get picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is cool to see, like you said, with that guy leading the team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and if they can match what they did with The Witcher 3. Because they are going from having a lot of established lore to build on for a video game to... Hey man, well, we're assuming original IP. Who knows? It could be based on some fantasy book we've never heard of, right? We don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's totally awesome to see a new studio form, especially in Poland, where they're kind of developing into a country with a lot of really good developers and studios uh, outside of CD Projekt Red, which is dope. Speaking, and, and the other thing, I guess, Poland, because aren't they?
1: like video game studios get like a lot of government tax subsides. breaks. That,
0: yeah. It's huge. They even get kind of the subsidized yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's that country really supports them. And I think honestly, because of likely the economy in Poland, I'm assuming CD project, Red Are big players in the whole country's economy. So I think the country itself understands the power they have to leverage that because building game studios like that really only takes, you know, like internet infrastructure and stuff like that. And it isn't, this whole new business vertical where you have to kind of uplift what the country's, like, template is, if that makes sense. Like, to lean into the games industry doesn't take as much for a country to really take hold of it as, like, a different kind of industry, right? So it's smart Mm -hmm. on them to lean into that. Um, Speaking of Western RPGs, we have a Dragon Age 4 update, Dom, and a good one. (laughs) We have a good update. I saw this. Yeah, so Jeff Grubb uh, with a little... Grubhub Snack here, uh, stated that, quote, Dragon Age 4 is in very good shape. They're hitting their milestones. The game is on schedule, which is about 18 months out from today. So doing some quick math, it's about mid-August of next year. So loosely, fall 2023 seems to be the window they're targeting. Uh, For those who are unfamiliar, the term milestone, so in video game development, you have these goals you want to hit which are milestones you you want to either have like a playable demo or a certain aspect of the game accomplished to reach these milestones they're usually worked with between the developer and the publisher of the game and missing milestones is a huge red flag in terms of the game kind of its development going off the tracks and going off the rails so when you hear that um, a studio like Bioware is hitting their milestones for Dragon Age it's really good to see um, earlier, we talked about the new Studio Rebel Wolves using Unreal Engine 5. We know that Dragon Age is using the Unreal Engine and it not using um, the Frostbite Engine, thankfully, that we've seen so many EA games have issues with. So that's probably leading to the fact that they're able to hit milestones because they're using a much more stable um, game development kit. Fall 2023, uh, I'm still crossing my fingers hoping it happens, and they are hitting the milestones, so I hope it it does come across that it is going to land what does this mean for you, Dom? I actually I don't really know what your whole fandom is with Dragon Age. You can kind of give the audience maybe that too is uh your answer here.
1: Yeah, so it's basically there isn't one, actually, even though there are like if if, if you've heard any of our conversations in the past, you would have expect, like, oh, that's spread up my alley. Exactly, but yeah. I've not I've not played a single I played Inquisition, I think, for a couple hours. Um long time ago at this point and so I'm not sure exactly why I fell off of that but its just is one of those things I never got back to and that's that I certainly missed the original too um same thing I just you know, just wasn't there at the time I guess so yeah I'm I'm watching this though um with a, a little bit of hesitation I suppose but because I'm trying to remember back and I might be wrong on this Dragon Age one was a bit more tactical and then two. Um, kind of made it a bit more of an action RPG and inquisition maybe split the difference a little bit. Um, so I'm curious how this next game is actually gonna gonna look and feel because I think it could it could go a lot of directions, a lot of different directions potentially. so yeah, it's 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 my type of my type of genre and obviously Bioware um, you know, knows how to make a game. so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on this and that was yeah, this is a good update like you said that uh, yeah they are hitting those milestones and this actually is you know this is gonna happen Like we're gonna get the next dragon age game it seems like it wasn't gonna happen for a minute
0: here but yeah it's exciting so i was really curious because i was going to mention i would really love if they did what they did the same thing they did with the mass effect legendary collection and did that with dragon age and released that this year or maybe early next year mm-hmm. in anticipation for dragon age four idea. and i was unclear on who developed that because uh, to me, it seems like something they would outsource, like why have Bioware work on that, right? And a quick uh, Google of it on the, on the Wikipedia, as much as you want to trust that, which I do, but obviously people have the reservations. It says that it was primarily developed by Bioware, but it had multiple support studios, including abstraction games and blind squirrel games. So with that being said, I wonder if maybe that could have been like a, a proven moment for those two support studios and they worked alongside BioWare for that and maybe EA could have loved their support on it that they're like, okay, we need BioWare to focus on their next two projects, obviously being the next Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and they could have just handed it over to those two studios to handle entirely themselves, right? That'd be cool. Um, I, with the success of the Legendary Collection... I would not be surprised if that's a project they have kicking around whether or not they're fully focused on delivering that who knows but i would almost guarantee that bioware at least you know experimented with the thought of doing it and i would love if they kind of committed to that that'd be really dope because then it'd give you an incentive to try to hop into right if somebody who's never played it um because i do think i think the first dragon age is the best of the of the bunch But I do think it could use some modernization love in terms of a lot of the systems and the loading and a lot of that stuff in very much the same way that Mass Effect 1 did. Uh, And I think that's when I would say, hey Dom, you should go play the first Dragon Age. Because right now, Hmm. I don't know if I could really recommend it despite how good of a game it is. I don't know if it holds up entirely all that well. You know, so. Um, Hey, guess what? A third uh, Western RPG story coming at you. Uh, Mad Max developer working on its largest and greatest AAA project ever. So earlier this month, it was rumored that Avalanche Studios, uh, who's currently working on an Xbox exclusive title, uh, Contraband, I believe. Uh, This is unrelated to that could be working on a sequel to its flourishing action-adventure from 2015, Mad Max, which, if you don't know, was kind of an underrated gem at a 7. You know, it didn't review all that well, but people who played it really loved it for its open-world experience in the Mad Max world. So, considering the rumors and recent job listings describing the project as, quote, cutting-edge AAA action-adventure open-world game, it may be that Avalanche Studios group is actually working on Mad Max 2. Now, this is an interesting one. The reason I want to talk about this, time is because, A, whenever there's a brand-new AAA Western RPG, I me and you are going to at least have our ears perked up to it of, like, is this something I should hop into? Absolutely. Um, but also, this is an interesting case of... I wonder if it is Mad Max 2, if that is the best move because of how under-the-radar that first game was, or if, and I know some fans are probably going to be upset about this, but would it be better for them to just try to tackle a new IP? Like, what do you think the proper direction is here because i think there is a case for both of those right
1: yeah this is i'm not sure on this uh, so much so i i remember yeah when mad max came out it was kind of that thing that came and went but then yeah there was still a couple people it feels like who just loved the shit out of it um i never even tried that game but um i want to say avalanche also co-developed like rage 2 with id uh yes Um, i'm not wrong no you're right on and that. then um don't they do like just cause is that avalanche yes
0: that's avalanche am
1: i okay yeah so they actually they have a, quite a bit on the resume <laughs> um yeah i can see them going a lot of different directions and then yeah contraband you mentioned too is a new one also so yeah i don't know i think this could be really ambitious and i and i'm yeah just as i listed off everything they've done so far well not, none of them have like blown me out of the water personally um I think that's the kind of studio that, yeah, you might put some money behind that. You know, they could do something a bit more ambitious. So I'm not sure what, what direction they could go. And I don't really have a preference, I suppose. But that, you know, that's, that's why I'm here and they're there, I guess. But yeah, yeah. For I, I could see a lot of things.
0: I have no attachment to the Mad Max franchise. I've actually never ever even right. seen any of the films personally. And though obviously the last film that released, Fury Road, was highly critically acclaimed. Won a ton of awards, obviously. I don't know if that franchise is something that's worth tackling financially, especially when the first one didn't do too well. And in the current state we're in, I think Dune is on fire right now, especially with an upcoming sequel coming out. Oh, Uh, good call. It's similar. Obviously, it's more sci-fi than post-apocalyptic, but it is similar to where I could see them working on that. Uh, The pipe dream is that we don't even have Starfield yet, Dom, which means we don't even have Elder Scrolls yet. Obsidian's working on a bunch of projects right now that we don't think are Fallout at all. Easy. It'd be really cool if they tackled a spinoff Fallout game. I think that'd be really fun. Uh, With the expectations that it is a spinoff, right? Um, Because I think it's different when it's Bethesda proper creating a a spinoff Fallout game or somebody like Obsidian, whereas with Avalanche, I think people kind of understand what they're getting into. And I wonder if it would be obviously a bit more action focused than, you know, RPG systems focused, but I, I would entertain the thought that would get me, I wouldn't be over the moon hype about that because I'm not a huge fan of Avalanche like you are, but that would be more exciting to me and get me more interested than Mad Max too, personally, you know?
1: I'll say, um, yeah, there might be a handful of other developers that I'd, rather do a fallout game um if it was avalanche um i definitely would be excited for it and then my take would be well i'm glad someone's doing it um i hope they're up for it but ultimately like them doing it is certainly better than no one doing it right yeah so that would that would be kind of my take and i trust them enough to put something out that's at least good right um that might not be my first pick, but yeah, I would still be i would still be excited for it, for sure. The
0: IP, interesting idea. and thinking about it, the IP that fits them that wouldn't carry the expectations of Fallout, but I do think they can knock out of the park, and people I think are clamoring for this to some extent, Walking Dead. We haven't gotten like an open world Walking Dead game, I think that would be really cool too, um, because Walking Dead is in this weird place where I think a lot of people enjoy the IP for what it is, and they have their good memories, but it also isn't carrying the weight of being this... 90 video game whereas the next fallout kind of needs to be that for the series following fallout 76 in a lot of ways i think walking dead could get enough uh positive vibes especially more than a mad max but we'll see it's it could be a bunch of things and that's what's most exciting when we hear about these rumored triple a rpgs because we just don't know um yeah talk about like unaccomplished potential
1: i guess with yeah with the walking dead ip in video games where Obviously, the Telltale games were were good and great, but man, there could have been so much more. And it seems like we just got a bunch of mobile games and lower budget, you know, like kind of weird games that none of them reviewed well at all. They kind of feel like, you know, licensed games of old, right, of past decades that are kind of not great. And it uh, could have been so much more. But now you know, they're starting their final season of the TV show or whatever. And like and now they're, of course, naturally they're like selling NFTs or whatever. And so <laughs> it seems like this is the route they're going, you know,
0: <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bummer as great as the witcher is. And, you know, uh, elder scrolls and all of these high fantasy games are, it is a bummer that we don't ha- like, when's the last time we got, we've, I don't think we've ever had a true, I guess the shadow of Mordor games are technically Lord of the Rings, but like a proper triple a Lord of the Rings game. Where's like our Game of Thrones RPG? That's weird that that never came around. Yeah. Um yeah, there's a lot of untapped IP that should be tackled by people doing it, as we mentioned earlier, but we'll see what happens. Um next up, uh do you remember Spirit Fair, Dom? The indie game Spirit Fair. Yes, yes, definitely.
1: I've still not played it, but I'm it's still on the top of my head lately, yeah. Uh
0: well, we got some news. They actually did a really cool candid interview with gamesindustry.biz. Uh this is the interviewer was Colin Campbell. And so during an interview with the business Focus gaming website, Thunder Lotus's creative director, Nicholas Green, revealed plenty of insight into the cult-hit introspective indie title, uh, including the following details. And, you know, I've gushed about this game, the way it handles death and coming to terms with the life you've lived and stuff. It's just, it's a beautiful experience. There are some really cool details in here that I wanted to, to talk about real quick, Dom. So first off, this is from uh, the creative director of Thunder Lotus, Nicholas Green. Quote, the most impressive thing to me was the amount of love we received from players. The number of letters, the number of emails we read in which players talked about their own experiences with loved ones, with relatives who passed away, and how it affected them. People felt like they were able to be honest and to open up. We had allowed ourselves to be vulnerable in making the game, and players responded to this in the same way. Unquote. I mean, you heard me talk about it numerous times of how the game made me feel, dumb. Um It's really nice to see that this... You know, when you're creating something, you just hope it connects with people in some aspect, right? Whether it's positively or negatively, uh, you want some type of reaction, right? No reaction is the worst thing you can get when creating something. Um, are you surprised that, you know, the studio put this passion into this game and the audience responded and connected with it? Obviously, you haven't played no, the I game mean, for, yet, Yeah. But,
1: but no, this lines up with what how, yeah how you've described what the game was. And, <clears throat> you know, for that to be what it is, you know, like that's... That developer, you know, they've got to be certain types of people, and you know, certain things are important to them. And yeah, like you said, like how they connect um, is is more meaningful. Very much juxtaposed to my complaints just before this about like the Walking Dead stuff, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like they care about connecting in even any kind of way with the audience, and they were, yeah, like yeah, this developer, yeah, really sounds like they ultimately more than anything, yeah, care about getting that emotion and that response out of um, people who try the game out. So, no, this is really cool.
0: And I talked about how candid this interview is, and this is something that we rarely get, uh, especially from indie studios because there's no reason for them to talk about it, but he said that to break even, the title needed to sell between 200,000 and 300,000 units, Um, which in the grand scheme of video games isn't a whole lot, but for an indie title, that's a substantial number, right? It's
1: a lot. Uh, If you remember,
0: this game also launched into Game Pass, and we've had the talk about... How successful can a game be financially through Game Pass? How does it work? We've had a lot of positive reports. Um, but exactly when it comes down to all of these, because we only hear about the best ones, right? But how does it generally, how does it happen? Um, and this is something crazy. As of December 2021, Spearfarer has sold over 1 million units.
1: Oh, wow. So they, they did well. They well exceeded their goal Yeah, speed.
0: more than triple uh, what they needed to cover and break even. And uh, this was Thunder Lotus's third game. And, you know, it launched an Xbox Game Pass, but it's still sold over a million. So there's another, you know, successful story of the service not hampering the success financially of a studio. Um, It's really cool. Um, I highly suggest if anybody out there hasn't played the game yet, I would suggest playing it. But I would offer a trigger warning that it does deal with death and relationships. And it's a pretty emotionally exhausting game in the best of ways. Which is funny because the gameplay is very much lackadaisical platforming, um, but it's the story and character moments that really drive the game. Um, on top of like the ship and you having to deal with that, it's it's a very unique and worthwhile game that I suggest anybody take the time to play because they also support it with so much post-release content of new characters and stuff. So shout out to Thunder Lotus. I can't wait to see what their next game is because I'm going to be there day one. They, they, they've they sold me on that. And that's kind of what these developers hope is that not only do you enjoy the game they make, but you're there to see what their next project is and we'll see what happens. I never noticed that uh, or realized that Thunder Lotus are also the developers of Yoten. I don't know if you remember... Yoin, it was an, an indie Norse game that was crowdfunded. That's how they got their start as a studio. So they crowdfunded that game, released it, and then uh, I forget what their second game was. And then obviously, spearfare was the third game. Sticking with indies, dumb. I want to talk about Mina the Hollower. This is kind of a big story that came out while we uh, hadn't had a chance to record the last couple of weeks. So, Mina the Hollower was announced. This is Yacht Club's uh, next game. It was announced via their official Kickstarter, and I'm going to read a little bit about what they had to say. So, here's the official description of Yacht Club Games' next big title from its official Kickstarter. Quote, Mina the Hollower is a bone-chilling action-adventure featuring classic gameplay and an 8-bit aesthetic in the style of Game Boy Color, refined for the modern era. Smooth 60 frames per uh, second action combat. A world full of mystery and horror and top-down adventuring combined in a mix that may remind you of classic titles like Castlevania, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, or even Bloodborne. Whip foes, burrow through the ground, and explore a pixel-perfect world in Mina the Hollower, a brand new game from the developers who brought you Shovel Knight. Now before we talk about Mina the Hollower and our impressions of its reveal, I wanted to state that you know the campaign hit its goal of $311,000 within its first hour of going live. And now it stands at 16,000 backers and it's funded at $900,000, almost at a million. And the interesting thing here is they've announced that they have other forms of possible funding for the game. The entire goal, like they, they weren't in need of the money past the goal because they have other possible uh, revenue streams in terms of publishing and funding. But they wanted to build a community through Kickstarter in the same way they did with Shovel Knight because they found that very successful with the development of that title. Um, and the interesting thing is, I wonder how they play out the, uh, what are they called? What are the excessive goals called? Not bonus Stretch. Uh, reach goals. Reach. Or what did you say? Stretch. Stretch. You're right. I'm wrong. Stretch goals. Okay. Uh, that kind of hampered them with shovel knight, right? They it was like a plus five year development cycle where there were basically new mini games and new modes and all of this stuff. And I wonder if they tackle it differently with of the Hollower. Uh, But specifically, Dom, how did you feel about this reveal as it being, you know, the next game from the Shovel Knight devs who, it's not Shovel Knight, right? Yeah,
1: so there was, like, because, yeah, there was a lot of Shovel Knight DLC and expansions and stuff, but I always felt like we never really got, like, the full sequel, um, necessarily. Um, But, yeah, I loved Shovel Knight when that came out. Like, that game was phenomenal, and I'm not really so much into the side-scrolling platformers, right, or action platformers, so... I really got into Shovel Knight though, and super well done. Obviously, it was really, really loved by a lot of people. Um, but man, this game, Mina, whew, it just looks like absolutely chef's kiss. Everything I didn't know I needed put together. So it does, yeah, it looks like a top-down Game Boy Color Zelda game, but with in a in a Bloodborne world. Um, so that's. And even from the clips they've had, they've they've shown in that trailer, like yeah, the gameplay looks like they described, smooth and very action focused, and yeah, and being that it's um, yacht club, like we know what they're capable of because they've done so much with Shovel Knight. I, I just I'm, I'm super excited for this. This is it immediately climbed itself to like one of the most anticipated things um, I'm looking forward to. So this looks excellent.
0: Have you backed it yet?
1: i have not yet. No. Yeah. but i i'm i'm not going to
0: hesitate much longer yeah like same it's only it doesn't seem like they're going to be short <laughs> exactly it's it's only 20 bucks too which is seems like a maybe like a pure uh early bird special right cuz we assume it's probably going to be like 30 bucks who knows depending on the, how the stretch goals go and how substantial it becomes this could end up launching at a at a higher price because of all the content and that's one thing we know from shovel knight is it it was packed with content post launch uh, quite a bit of it um I'm happy because this is the closest I'm going to get to a high-quality Redwall game. Uh, I've mentioned on the show before that Redwall is one of my favorite series. Obviously, it's the Brian Jacques series uh, series of novels with anthropomorphic animals. So it's the closest I'm going to get to something of high quality because the only Redwall game in existence right now is this very bad-looking RPG that's like $15 on Xbox. And I'm sitting there, and (laughs) every week, Dom, I put my finger on the button. I'm like, do I buy this and play it? Do I hate myself enough to do this? Um, But I don't, and Meat of the Hollower* might be the saving grace I needed. Um, Yeah, it's not surprising that they raised the money they did. Um, It is interesting because I wonder if... Due to all of the extra content they made for Shovel Knight post-launch, if to them it felt like they were fleshing out the franchise to a point where they got burnout, essentially, right on Shovel Knight. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, our next project won't be Shovel Knight. We want something completely different. Mm -hmm. Because they could have, I don't want to say easily because game development isn't easy, but they could have made this in the same style of game but just with shovel knight as the lead that would have been the easier probably smarter financial decision because you already have a character people know about um but they didn't they wanted to do something new and give a different vibe and introduce the world to a new character and uh yeah i'm excited it's really cool and um not only do we rarely get video games with animal, anthropomorphic animals as the lead, but like a female character too. We often talk about that, right? Of having a, a female character be mm-hmm. not only the the cover character, but also the lead character, which is also dope. Um, that's pretty much it for the news. Um, there, you, you might be wondering, hey, Jared, there's like a news story you guys didn't cover that I figured you'd be interested in. And the reason I didn't cover it is because I want to talk about it here in the uh, what have we been playing section. So the week we're recording, uh, a new update dropped for Cyberpunk. The next-gen update for the game came to Xbox and PlayStation platforms. And Dom, I have owned Cyberpunk since launch. I pre-ordered it. And I told you uh, before, I don't know if you remember, that the moment this next-gen patch dropped, I would hop in and play it. I'm happy to report I'm about three hours in. Um, I chose, at the beginning of the game, you have the three options between the Nomad, the gangster, and then the corpo, which is like the corporate path. I chose the corporate path because that one seemed most unique to cyberpunk for me. I've played a nomad character in an RPG before. I've been a gangster in a RPG before the corpo, like business tech stuff seemed very much cyberpunk. Right. So that's why I dove into that created a female character. Um, it's not that relevant, but you know, people like to know if, Oh, did you choose, do you, I guess that's a conversation that happened on Twitter this week, too, Dom. Um, and maybe we've talked about this before. but when you have a character creator and you play a game, do you put yourself into the body of that character, or is it random and it's just a game-by-game basis of if you pick a, if you create a male or a female character?
1: I've done both. Um, in the past, I, I would almost, I would always make it look like myself, but the past couple of years, I just kind of go with whatever I feel like looks cool like in that game and in, in that world or what I what you know, what seems right. Cause uh, you know, in certain games, like, you know, it makes sense uh to make someone look like myself, like regular dude with a modern haircut or whatever. But, you know, and I think it started in fallout four where I was like, you know what? It doesn't make as much sense. I want to give myself like some long raggedy hair. Cause it just in a beard and what you know what I mean? Kind of stuff. So I, I, I go all over the place. And then, yeah I've, yeah, I've started using female characters too. Cause it's just, I like mixing it up. Um, in this case, actually, um, I started Cyberpunk myself with the male. And then after like two hours, I, I restarted because I didn't like the voice acting <laughs> for the guy. Um, the The girl is much better in my opinion, but it um, could just be a preference, I suppose.
0: So I was reading a lot of people's comments about this. And I think I have a really weird, unique like situation with this in that I've grown up my entire life playing sports games, right? Madden, NBA, all of these titles. And in those in their career modes, I would always make myself because it was the, the closest analog to my real life of like, I play sports in real life. I want to play as me in these sports games. So when it came to RPGs and other games where you have a character creator, I would. I have like a set couple of characters for male and female in my like in my mind. They don't have like canon names that I came up with them, but they're like a certain aesthetic I kind of go for in games for a male or a female character. Um, and if it's a shooter, honestly, a lot of times I pick female because of the hitbox, um, because you have a smaller hitbox as a female. But most of the time, it's just a vibe of like, do I feel like playing as a male or a female character? Uh, you know, in Fallout Four, yeah. I play it as a male for no specific reason. In Cyberpunk, I'm playing as a female. Um, I don't know also sometimes it's like I'd rather play as like in what in my eyes is like an aesthetically pleasing female character as like as opposed to like an ugly gnarly dude you know, and sure you can make like some yeah. good looking dudes, but it it's a lot more effort in character creators to do so, so I'm just like I'll just make a good looking woman um uh, but anyways with cyberpunk, I'm enjoying it um I think a lot of the issues I'm seeing so far I wouldn't even call them issues, it's just like. It's a bummer how this game was sold in terms of what it could be for RPGs and what it ended up being. It's much more run-of-the-mill and non-innovative than it is the second coming of what Western RPGs can be, which is not a bad thing. Like, I'm enjoying it, but I wouldn't say there's anything necessarily special about it. Um... But I do like that I haven't played a game in this type of world before, and that's what I'm really enjoying is it's the the role-playing aspect of the game of being in this cyberpunk world, which is something I haven't experienced before. It's giving me all of those Blade Runner vibes. I think that's honestly to me what the strength of the game is three hours in is the the aesthetic and the environment and the vibe of the game and not necessarily the video game aspects of it, you know? It's more like the design aspects yeah. of the world, so that that's
1: kind of been my take too so i because i've also been playing it um not even i've not even downloaded that new patch yet though but um i'm just about at the end of the game now i'm past like the, the, the point of no return as they call it but that's kind of been my takeaway too is um like the world they built is really cool and super unique and even like the city is i think really well done and it's a little over the top and too excessive sometimes i definitely get those complaints um Obviously, that's what they're going for, but it could be a little hard to, I don't know, palette, I guess, sometimes. Um, but yeah, like, the the story's been pretty good. Um, most of the characters are interesting. I like, like, Keanu Reeves is pretty cool in this game um, and how that works. And, like, some of the, the concepts are pretty cool. You know, a lot of, like, Blackbeard type of stuff going on. Um, but, like, a lot of the NPCs, you know, are just really kind of buggy and... I've some T-poses and stuff like that I've some T-poses <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's been some goofy stuff I've run into that obviously you know the, we could dwell on like the lack of polish in Cyberpunk for a long time but I think that's been done right so like that all exists it's, it runs well um, enough on PlayStation 5 at least but yeah and but uh, actually the other thing I do want to point out is I thought, I think the shooting feels really good I was really surprised it same um, how how well that, that feels. I, I haven't really done any Melee. I don't though, like so the I'm Melee. Sure
0: I think it feels muddy, yeah. and it just doesn't feel satisfying at all, really. Uh, it feels very much, much like, like Bethesda <laughs> Melee. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which isn't also satisfying. And that's the interesting thing here, too, because, and I don't want to pit studios against each other, but before Cyberpunk, CD Projekt Red was considered the crown prince or even the king of Western RPG development because of The Witcher 3, right? Justifiably so. That game was incredible. And people were like, well, why can't Bethesda just do this? And the counter-argument to that was always, well, Bethesda's shooting for innovation and they kind of work to the max of what they can and that's why their games end up releasing with bugs and issues and stuff like that. And it's interesting to see that with Cyberpunk, it has a lot of the same pitfalls as a Bethesda title. A lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's just... That's a circumstance of pushing for innovation in some aspects. I don't know. I'm enjoying my time with it. I'm interested to see how much of it I'll play. Um, it's my it's my game. I'm playing until Elden Ring right now, right until that game comes out. Um, so I'm just having fun with it. I haven't even met uh Keanu Reeves yet. I I started the quest with the uh, big black dude from the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I forget. They're not net runners. What is their names? Uh. Oh, his name is Dex. I can't remember like what his his, job description is. Yeah, people are. So I just
1: got. Oh well, he. Oh, he's a. um, Oh, I forget what they call him. He he gives people jobs. um, You know, like yeah, those types of jobs. Uh, Crap, but they have a unique phrase. I actually kind of like it. I'm
0: gonna think of it. He's essentially like a cyberpunk mob boss for better or worse um so i got out of the car with him so i'm like i'm set to do that mission but then i went and hunted down my first psycho whatever it's called basically like the bounty target of the people that have lost their damn mind from cybernetics and it was this woman in like an alleyway that was like invisible and then she like sets you on fire or something it was a crazy fight i enjoyed that it was really interesting and weird in the best of ways um I, like I said, I am I, enjoying the world, and I think that's what's going to keep me gripped. Because if it was a, a world I, in which I've played before or seemed too familiar, I probably would not be interested in playing it a whole bunch. But that world yeah. is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for me, and I'm really enjoying my time with it. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Man, this game yes. is such an enigma because... Graphically, it is not good. It's a ugly game. Mm-hmm. The environments are pretty empty and sparse. And if you're far enough from things in the world, their framerate is reduced to like two frames a second. And if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you know I'm somebody who doesn't really harp on graphic fidelity and stuff. But it's it's bad in this game. But in the same way that the world is saving Cyberpunk for me, All of the refreshing and interesting takes and risks that they've done in this game in terms of a Pokemon game makes it super fun. Um, The fact that you can catch Pokemon by throwing the Pokeballs and aiming them yourself. The fact that you can do multiple things at the same time. So, like, say you run into a patch of Pikachus, right, Dom? You can throw a Pokeball at one Pikachu, and while that's determining on whether or not you caught it, you can throw a Pokeball at another one and another one, and you can do things at your own pace, which is... Something that is foreign to Pokemon games. If one thing if there's one thing that the Pokemon franchise should be known for, it's making you play at the game's pace, which has mm. been laborious for years at right. this point. It's like you're in the
1: grass, you get caught by a wild Pokemon, that's it. You're solely focused on fighting that. Or you know, the trainer sees you and you're just tunnel vision, that's all that's going on.
0: Yeah. Right? There's a rhythm and a cadence to it that becomes monotonous and oftentimes feels tedious at points. Whereas this game completely loses that, Um, there is no gym leaders, but there are boss Pokemon you have to fight, which is really interesting. Um, And a lot of it has to do with you hitting them with certain objects and then getting to a point in which you engage them in battle. And that changes up the formula for a Pokemon game in, in cool ways. Almost all of the bosses are regional specific variant evolutions of already existing Pokemon. Um, so, like, one of the bosses is a new evolution to Scyther. You should know Scyther from the original 151, which is one of the dopest designs in Pokemon history. Uh, another one of them is the a new uh, regional variant of Arcanine, my favorite Pokemon. It's really cool. Um, they do a good job with it. Uh, one of the neat lore... Bits in this dom is that so since this is way back when they're creating pokeballs and you've seen it, it's instead of plastic and mechanics, they're wooden balls that release steam out of the top. Um, and to match that, the elect so the electrodes and uh, dang it, what's the uh, Voltorbs? The Voltorbs and electrodes of this region are made of wood. They're wood electric types which is really cool because it matches the Pokeballs because in the original Pokemon, Voltorb and Electrode are meant to kind of mimic Pokeballs, right, they look like Pokeballs. A lot of the fights you get into in the OG games, you see an item Pokeball on the ground, you think it's an item, you go and touch it, ends up being a Voltorb or an Electrode. So I think that's a really neat little lore thing of, since the original Pokeballs are made of wood and steam, the Pokemon equivalent of that would also be wood, they're wooden, so I think that's really cool. That's interesting. The game is really fun. It has a very fulfilling gameplay loop of you going out and collecting these Pokemon. The Pokédex works differently, Dom. Um, So obviously in the past when you catch a Pokemon, it's Pokédex entry would open up and it'd say that you have that Pokemon in your Pokédex, right? Now, the way it works is you see a Pokemon, it gets registered in your Pokédex, and then if you catch the Pokemon, that doesn't actually unlock its entire Pokédex entry there are tasks you have to do for each pokemon and though that may seem a little uh tedious uh it's not because there's a bunch of different things you can do you can get you can unlock it for catching x number of it you can defeat it x amount of times you can defeat it with x type of move like if it's a grass type pokemon likely a way to unlock it is to defeat x of them with grass type moves or sorry fire type moves you get bonus points for like evolving it and once you reach a score of 10 on that pokédex entry you unlock the pokédex for it and it's you know it's in your registered it's a it's a fun blast if anybody who has been out of the pokemon game for a while this is the most refreshing and innovative and new feeling pokemon game and i would suggest it to anybody who wants to get that nostalgia dose back um it's an open open area game i to say open world cuz there's large section areas uh of, of you know um pokemon I don't know. It's it's a blast, man. It's the most fun I've had with a Pokemon game in ages. And I'm going to be real bummed if the next one doesn't follow this formula to some extent. I, I don't know. It's For all of its issues with graphic fidelity and stuff, which to me isn't that big of an issue because it's on the Nintendo Switch, which also isn't necessarily a graphics powerhouse. Like If this game was on PlayStation or Xbox, I think it'd be much more egregious. Um, but yeah, I... I'm loving my time with it, man. I've already beaten the the story and I'm just doing a lot of post-game stuff, which there's plenty of stuff to do. There's a whole quest system of side quests. The last thing I wanna mention real quick before I go on too long. So when you first start off Dom, because this is happening way in the past, humans and Pokemon don't have the relationship they do in the modern games, right? Where they kind of work harmoniously together. If it's a construction site, you'll see like Machoke or Machamps helping out with picking up cinder blocks or like beams and stuff, right? Humans and Pokemon are working together. That isn't the case way back when. A lot of this village is new. They're actually afraid of Pokemon in many ways. And they confine themselves to the walls of the village because they don't want to get attacked by Pokemon. And that's really interesting because throughout the game, there's side quests you can do for people. And during the course of the the story as well... The village evolves in terms of adding new buildings, but also Pokemon enter the village and they're working with people and you start seeing the relationships building and people asking like, well, how can I get this done in a timely manner? We only have so many people and you finding Pokemon solutions and kind of convincing them that Pokemon would be able to help. It's really cool. It does a lot of that stuff in a a way in which feels authentic to Pokemon and kind of explains a lot of the unanswered questions you'd have, whether you thought about them or not. Um yeah it's it's a really great time. I like with most Nintendo games I think it's its biggest entry uh, like barrier to entry is its price. Is it worth $60? I don't know, that's for you to decide. But I am not regretting buying it and I like I said I think it's the most entertaining and fulfilling Pokemon game we've had. Honestly, since Heart Gold and Soul Silver, if I'm being honest, I know people love Pokemon Black and White because it introduced 150 new Pokemon for the first time and the only time since the original games, which is cool, and it's a metric that you want to judge Pokemon games on, sure, for adding new Pokemon, but in terms of like reinventing what a Pokemon game is, nothing has done what this game has done since Heart Gold and Soul Silver, not even close.
1: Yeah, I've been like. I've been anxious to hear what you had to say about it, but I've, yeah, I've been like keeping an eye on it too because um, it's interesting. It's always interesting when like you know a super successful series for so long like ooh they're taking a bit of a risk here. So it's cool to, it's cool to see, hear and see like you know it's it's been you know re- received well enough where like I I got to imagine they're going to continue probably in parallel the, like this kind of a style with you know the other um, more traditional Pokemon games. So. It's kind of, i still i just don't think it's gonna be something I end up getting into I don't think this is gonna be what does it um I was never so even what as a kid um really getting into the to the game board games like I never wanted to catch them all you know i never i never bought into that part of it I liked having you know my six guys and level the shit out of them and just run everybody's show um I never like had had no desire to like actually catch more than i needed to you know and so with this game sounding like the emphasis is a bit more on um you know this new style of pokedex and like you know catching everything um although the way it you know the way it works sounds more interesting as far as like you can actually sneak and like literally throw pokeballs yourself and all that kind of stuff that sounds cool but um i just don't know if it's something i'm gonna you know jump into but i it is cool to hear that you know that people appreciate the the new style they're going with, and so I, I well it'll be cool to see how they continue to evolve this style too as well. Because there's probably, I imagine they're going to do a sequel, right? And then probably have some things that they want to improve on based on this. And so I think yeah, there's only good opportunity potential to you know polish and optimize this style even more. So I think that should be cool. Looking looking ahead, also,
0: if they did a Pokemon Red and Blue remake in this vein, it would be the highest selling game on the Nintendo Switch. I would place my life earnings on that it that game would sell so much dom it would sell so much and the crazy thing and is because they sorry go ahead the uh
1: and i think like the i feel like there's got to be a possibility of that just because they they remade yellow right in a different style um with let's go pikachu and let's go eevee right so i could see them doing um instead of let's go it's you know legends
0: you know, pokemon legends Bull, Mew, or whatever like th- that easy, right yeah because uh, it couldn't so be could Mewtwo because cool. Mewtwo was an experiment that happened in the modern age. So so it'd have to be like Pokemon Legends Mew or... That's probably the only one that makes sense because how would you name it with the three legendary birds? You know what I mean? That doesn't really make sense. Hal, you can even call it Pokemon Legends Kanto, right? Or something like that. Who knows? Um, yeah, I've, I had a blast with that game. I'm still having a blast with it. I'm interested to see how much that influences the next mainline entry because I do think that they could see severe backlash if the next game doesn't take anything from this. Um, Especially with how underwhelming people felt the remakes of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were from a design aesthetic. Like, they didn't really do much. Uh, Obviously, the art style of those remakes was polarizing with the chibi art style, but in terms of like, they didn't add any new content. A lot of the issues that the original game had in terms of weird glitches, they didn't even fix. It was pretty bare bones, honestly, which wasn't a huge issue for me. I kind of knew what I was getting with it, but a lot of people were disappointed justifiably. So this, honestly, this is a big This is, uh, if you're familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, this is a nexus point for the Pokemon franchise, Mm -hmm. and what happens from this point is going to be really interesting. That's all for me. I've played, uh, you know, a lot of smaller games that aren't worth mentioning, really. Just waiting for Elden Ring, honestly. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with Cyberpunk and Pokemon. Anything outside of, you said you've been playing Cyberpunk, but outside of that, anything of note?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked enough about Cyberpunk, but, um... I actually, I tried out the Metroid Dread demo. Interesting. Which, kudos to Nintendo. They have a lot of uh, demos.
0: Yeah, the they kill Smash. it in that department. Um,
1: yeah, so that's that's really, I would never, I ended up buying the game, right? And I would not have done that if I didn't try this demo because I just, oh, you know, it's so easy to just download it and give something a shot. Even though I never, I didn't think I was, could be quite into it, but I, I turned that on and I was like, wow, it, sh- it, it just feels really, really good to play. Um, and that's something that can, I think is hard to, hard to convey in a review or to have someone tell you about, even though I'm sitting here trying to tell you about it, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just really smooth, really satisfying. It's, it's kind of like a, like a destiny or call of duty game where like, it just feels really good to just do stuff and just walk around and, and shoot and everything like that. It just feels really nice. Um, and so then in that demo, it kind of cuts you off, you know, after you, uh, beat the beat the first two like enemy robots you know those things that are coming at you and but then also it 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 waits to give you um the first ability the classic metroid um metroidvania thing where like you unlock a new ability and then you can backtrack to get to areas you couldn't before right so it's like you're now able to to grapple on the walls and so <clears throat> and that's always like the ooh like the the kind of dopamine hit of like oh oh that's satisfying i just beat this area and now i got this new ability i can go back and do all this other shit that i couldn't before and like and basically shortly right after that it cuts you off and so it it was just a great demo both in like the game feels good but also a great in that it really does a good job making people want to buy the game after playing the demo um so i've not gotten too much further into it um since i actually bought the game though but um yeah i had to at least throw that out there and so it's it's been fun so far. It's kind of a surprise. I, I skipped it last year. Um, so there's a there's a couple things that you know we talked about like when we were doing game of the year for 2021. Like what you know, what, what you got we kinda gotta sacrifice what we can and can't get to. So that I'm gonna end up having like a couple games I played this year that like I retroactively wanna go back and be like, ooh, maybe this would be higher <laughs> on my goatee list from you know last year. But <clears throat> yeah, so I'll I'll have more um for dread um in the future. But I did want to point out one other thing, not a game, but um, I threw on the Netflix series Arcane. So it's um, you know based on League of Legends and some of the characters from that game, which is obviously like a MOBA, and as far as I understand it, it's there's not really story in the game. Um, and so, I, I just, so many people said the show was so good, so I just threw it on, just kind of whatever, I'll try it out and... Holy shit, it is incredible. It's actually like one of the best things I've watched in
0: a long How time. How far are you in?
1: Um, I'm done. Hell yeah. So, I think it's like nine or ten episodes. Three acts. Um, it's
0: nine episodes. Each act is three episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, oh, it's so good. Is the first act, uh, very different from the next two. I won't spoil anything more than that, right? But, oh man, it was like, it was an absolute ride. And... All the characters are super cool, but also the animation, really cool, really unique. I haven't seen anything quite like that before. Um, but then the world they put together here is really freaking cool, too. Um, it's very uh, steampunky kind of a thing going on. Um, but also there's like this huge kind of political dynamic of there's, you know, the topsiders who are basically the, the well-off people in the world. And then... Um, the, the people in in Zon, which is kind of like the undercity, who are not very well off, and it's there's a lot, whole lot of political stuff going on there. But combined with um, the individual characters you're following themselves, some you know from each side, of course, um, and the you know the way their actions are interact like the the larger political landscape, but also it's very Game of Thrones in that sense. But also like you're really invested in them, uh, the characters themselves. And what they're doing, um, and it was just super cool. Um, great cliffhanger at the end too. So I, I'd assume and hope we're getting a second season because I'm going to be right on that shit when but, it comes out, cause I was really surprised. I didn't expect to have anything for this because I do not care. I don't know anything about League of Legends, like zip. But this show was excellent.
0: Yeah, it's the The world building and character writing is some of the strongest I've ever seen in a television show. I would honestly put it toe to toe with something like Breaking. It was that tremendous last year. Yeah, it and uh, it and Yellow Jackets were the two things that clearly stood out to me in terms of things I watched that were incredible. Um, Yellow Jackets is like a sci-fi show. It's uh, you know, um, but this uh, it, I would argue that it's like the best video game thing we've ever gotten uh, in terms of yeah. It's so good. That final sequence with the music and the characters and the emotional depth of what's going on is absolutely insane. The way they handle um, Powder's character arc and the relationships, and it's so good. And it does the Game of Thrones thing that a lot of good shows do, where it seeds a lot of mysteries and questions and relationships that you want to know mm-hmm. more about. Um, there's a character named Heimerdinger. I'm obviously talking from a place like Dom with people who aren't familiar with League of Legends all that well. So I know it's going to sound kind of, you know, elementary to somebody who's like a big old League of Legends fan. There's a character named Heimerdinger who's part of the council at the beginning of the show. Um, And by the end of the show, he's in the slums with another character who's kind of important (laughs) to the story. And the way they interconnect those characters in interesting ways is done so well. Um I was, after I, the moment I finished the show, Dom, I went and looked up theories, I went and looked up like, it's because I'm unfamiliar with League of same Legends, year, I was year. like, uh, yeah. what characters were teased, what champions were teased from League of Legends, and there are some interesting ones that I didn't know about, Um, like the evil scientist is a character from the game, essentially, his name's Singed, which we kind of get hints of him being something more than just an evil scientist, which is cool, but yeah, like, there's even callbacks you wouldn't notice unless you're really paying attention. Like at the end, the the fiend who helps uh Caitlin save uh Vi, right? The guy with the glasses. He's the guy at the beginning of the show in the first act that is at the bar getting uh swaggled by those like evil looking people and the bartender, the hound of the underworld, one of the main characters who is the father figure to Vi and, and powder, um he helps him. He kind of saves him. He's like, get lost. And he helps that guy, this guy, this little okay. banker guy I with glasses. That. And by the end of the show, yeah, he's like addicted and stuff. It's so well yeah. done. The relationships are good. Uh, the villain, uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head because it's been a while since I finished Arcane. Um, uh, Silco. Silco is one of the best written villains in television. Mm-hmm. Uh, You kind of feel for him by the end of the show, which is something that isn't an easy feat in writing. Yeah, I'm glad you watched it because it, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's so good. It's better than it has any right being, and it has me now invested in the League of Legends, uh, world. Not so much that I play the game because I'm not a mobile person like that, but I actually went and downloaded what is it called? It has a card game based Rune on King. Uh, no, not Rune King. That's the RPG one. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is the card game called? I went and downloaded the card game that's popular for based on League of Legends, just to like get more into the world and. It's not Hearthstone, right? Cause that's no, Dota. Hearthstone is Blizzard. Uh, okay, nah, I don't know. Yeah, Hearthstone <laughs> is like World of Warcraft and all okay. that stuff. Yeah, Dota is owned by Steam. That's Defender of the Ancients. That's entirely different. Their card game failed. It was like the Artifact, I believe is what it was called. It came out and it like flopped. Mm. Yeah, but okay. I'm with you. Arcane is incredible. If you haven't watched it, go watch it because it's so good. Um I I was very interested by the fact that between the first and second act, there was a huge time jump, and then the second and third, there wasn't, which is a really interesting idea, Mm -hmm. but I'm with you on that. The One thing I wanted to mention before we go real quick, you talked about the demos on Nintendo, and it's funny how those things work out that it gives you a chance to play games, because I tried out the Metroid Dread demo, and unlike you, I just didn't really vibe with it, right? just wasn't for me. But in the opposite sense, you tried out the demo for Triangle Strategy, weren't really sold on it. I tried out that demo, and that's a day one for me. I'm so excited for that game next (laughs) month. Um, I might not buy it when it comes out, because I I believe it comes out like the first week of uh, March. So I'm still going to be going through Elden Ring at that point. But once I'm in a place where I want to start something else alongside Elden Ring, um, I think I'm going to hop in ASAP. So really excited about that. I really enjoyed it. But hey, man, shout out to Nintendo. They do a lot of dumb, weird stuff. I mean, I complained today on Twitter about... Why is it 2022, Dom, and I can't play Heart Gold and Soul Silver on some type of virtual console or anything? Literally, the only way I can play that game is through a physical cartridge. They never even released that on like the DS via the virtual console. It's ridiculous. And if you Google how much Heart Gold and Soul Silver cartridges are, they're hella expensive. And, uh, you know, there's a legal ways you can play those games, but I don't want to play some ROM on a PC. I've actually am tempted to, I was talking to a friend of the show, Max, uh, Roberts, uh, about getting a pocket analog and figure an analog pocket uh, and figuring out if I can get it to play on that. Um, and I've been tempted. The other
1: option is, uh, cause I've actually started looking into this too. Cause as soon as like Nintendo, you know, announces like, well, we're shutting our shops down. Then it's kind of like, well, I mean, it's not really, it's a different moral, I guess, argument, you know, <laughs> to download something um, when you aren't able to purchase it. I I don't want to get into that, but you can, um, if you have a 3DS, you can just hack that boy and uh, load up DS games on it, right? Um, instead of, you know, paying someone, I bet heart gold, it's got to be like a hundred bucks to buy a cartridge at least. It's like. <sighs> Probably one of those stupid.
0: You're on the low end. (laughs) Yeah, figures. Closer to like three hundred dollars. It's ridiculous.
1: And because doing that, obviously, like,
0: well,
1: Nintendo's not getting any of that money anyway, so it's not like it's not like you're you're you know stealing from the creator. You're just like some scalper on eBay. Like fuck them anyway, right? So I don't know. I'm not gonna judge anybody. Is what I'm saying.
0: For Nintendo having the richest history of the big three, they're the absolute worst at. Keeping up with it—it's absolutely awful. I hate it so much. Um, I, anyways, that's my whole—that's the whole I'm dying on. That has been this week's nice. show. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on Spotify. Leave us a review—it helps us out. Lets the show get more engagement and viewed by more people. On YouTube, search Controlled Interest. Will pop right up. Subscribe if you want to see every podcast. Like or dislike the video. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of what we talked about. Are you a fan of Arcane? Are you excited for season two? Why hasn't it been released yet, even though the show just ended in November of last year? Um in terms of Twitter, you can follow us collectively at ctrlints Controlled Interest, abbreviated. We are at Controlled Interest on Instagram as well, if that's your preferred social media. Individually on on Twitter, you can find Dom at OBDOMKenobi, but the O and OB is the number zero, not the letter O. And I am at Jared White, my full name, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. We'll catch you guys next week with possibly more Cyberpunk impressions. Um what was, oh, Metroid Dread impressions, uh, depending on how mm-hmm. much Don plays. And uh, we might have some Eldering impressions, maybe, uh, depending on if we record on Thursday or Friday. We'll let you guys know. Uh, but other than that, we'll catch you guys next week. See you then. Bye.